We live in a time when we can pull out our phone and have a conversation with so many people. You can technically video chat with 30 plus people at one time if you wanted. And yet, we still feel disconnected. And I would just want to say that feeling lonely isn't such a bad thing. In fact, I would argue that there's no negative feeling that in its entirety is bad because these negative feelings let us know when things are off and when something needs to change. However, loneliness becomes a problem because if we stay in it, it can lead to all sorts of issues like, I don't know, calling your toxic ex or messaging that quote-unquote friend who always crosses your boundaries or indulging in behaviors to get a hit of dopamine to help you feel better but that ultimately leaves you worse off. Did someone say online shopping and maxing out your credit card? Ding, ding, ding. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Homesickness Cure, a podcast that explores how people in new places create community. We'll be talking to immigrants, expats, and even city and state transplants to understand their thoughts and hear their experiences and how they've developed genuine friendships, created a thriving community, and are rebuilding a life for themselves that feels truly authentic. Join us to hear first-hand accounts of building connections in a strange place, as well as expert advice on how to navigate big life transitions like a badass. I'm your host, Anya Sharice, founder of Navigating Culture, former expat, lifelong immigrant, and infrequent digital nomad. Let's get this conversation going. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Today you just get me on the podcast and I'm talking about how to feel connected and create community virtually, aka online, aka during this unprecedented time that we are now living in, which will probably go down in the books as one of the deadliest times in recent history and also that time when we had to stay in our homes for days on end and people could not deal. Anyways, I will also say that what I'm about to talk about applies after this period as well, because if you're struggling to create connection and community now, I really think there's a high probability that you were also struggling to create community and connection last year. Yeah? Okay. So as I scroll through Instagram and take little peeks at Facebook and even reflect on my own feelings, it looks like a lot of us are struggling with loneliness even though we technically have the world at our fingertips. For example, somebody commented on my Instagram the other day. I had been in one of these calls with my colleagues and we tried to do a happy hour, but it got so quiet towards the end. And then we never scheduled another one. Womp womp. We live in a time when we can pull out our phone and have a conversation with so many people. You can technically video chat with 30 plus people at one time if you wanted. And yet we still feel disconnected. And I would just want to say that feeling lonely isn't such a bad thing. In fact, I would argue that there's no negative feeling that in its entirety is bad because these negative feelings let us know when things are off and when something needs to change. However, loneliness becomes a problem because if we stay in it, it can lead to all sorts of issues like, I don't know, calling your toxic ex or (laughs) messaging that quote-unquote friend who always crosses your boundaries or indulging in behaviors to get a hit of dopamine to help you feel better but that ultimately leaves you worse off did someone say online shopping and maxing out your credit card ding 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 otherwise known as depression anxiety and compulsive behaviors we crave human connection we thrive on human connection 
So what happens when we feel like connection, at least in the way that we're used to it, is no longer accessible? Well, based on my experiences and observations, I would say that the reason that we're struggling with creating connection and community virtually is the same reason we struggle with creating connection and community in the quote-unquote real world. Well, what's that reason? We don't think structure is sexy. In fact, we hate it. I have so much structure at work, we say. I don't want to have it when it comes to creating my relationships and my friendships as well. But hey, guess what? Structure, most of the times, creates magic. I don't like to deal in absolutes, but I will say that structure is almost always behind any meaningful, significant event that you experience. You think theater just happens on a whim, like they just decide to come on stage and produce a great work of art? You think Kimmy K and her friends and family get up and just shoot a day in the life? No. It's specifically created and created to develop something that some may argue is quite special. If you're feeling in a rut in your friendships, well, my friends, <laughs> this may very well be the reason. I think just showing up on Zoom calls week after week without any plan or agenda or intentionality is like showing up week after week for 30-minute drink fests with a potential friend and wondering why after three months the relationship still feels superficial. Well, it's because you've shown up and expected that what you want is just going to fall in your lap. And most times, life doesn't work like that. You have to at least take partial responsibility for creating and creating the deeper, more meaningful experiences that you want. When I did this, it changed the game for me. It goes hand in hand with intentionality, my babes. You have to get clear on what you want. Then you have to figure out how you can add to the process of make it, making it happen. You get what I mean? Okay, so I absolutely hate it when I don't get actionable insights from something I've been listening to. So I wanted to share with you three ways or ideas you can start thinking about to introduce structure and ultimately feel more connection and warmth and actually start or continue to build genuine and authentic friendships and community during this time. So the first one is create a guest list. You can't just have people show up on a Zoom call and expect magical connection to happen. It's basically the same point I'm trying to make for this entire podcast. Think about the seizing chat at a wedding or the celebrity party. These are curated. They're specifically organized with people's background and personality in mind. They are curated based on the vibe that you want your party or event or experience to have. So it has to be the same with Zoom calls. You have to think about the people that you're bringing in this virtual circle. And this doesn't mean that everyone has to be the same. but they do by very nature of their being and the fact that they are all in one room together bring interest to the virtual call. So you just have to think about it like, for example, does Rishma or Juan Carlos, did they both live in Boston, but at different times? Um, and so they have that sameness or similarity in that they both live in the same city, but because they live there at different times, can add a bit of interest to the conversation. Or are Marissa and Sioma both cooks? Or did Sioma go to cooking school? Um, and did Marissa learn to cook with her mom? It's like the same thing. It's like they both have this passion and this um, similarity because they both enjoy cooking, but the interest comes in that they both learn to do it in different ways and they can have an interesting conversation where that's concerned. This is what I mean when I say the very nature of their personalities. 
there has to be some interest. They don't have to be the same, but they do need to have some similarities. And then there almost needs to be like a little lemon twist of something that makes them a little bit different. So that's the first thing. Be mindful of your creation of guests. Hello, listeners. I'm so sorry for popping in in the middle of the podcast, but I have something that I must, must share with you. Right now, I'm offering a free guide on the Navigating Culture website called Three Fun Ways to Use Apps to Spark Deep Friendships. Find it at bit.ly forward slash spark friendship. That's S-P-A-R-K-F-R-I-E-N-D-S-H-I-P. In it, you'll discover what you need to get clear on before you open friendship apps, a simple three-step approach to ensuring friendship matches agree to meet, how to write intros that get people to respond quickly, and the easiest way to be the most interesting person in a conversation. Secret, it's not about playing it cool. To download, visit bit.ly forward slash spark friendship. All right, now let's get back to the podcast. The second tip is to have guests prepare. For your next Zoom call or FaceTime or virtual call or whatever, get guests excited about the call by giving them the opportunity to talk about themselves and relieving the nerves that this brings by telling them beforehand what you want them to talk about and giving them a chance to prepare. So some ways that you can do this is by having specific themes around your Zoom calls. So for example, you can do a soundtrack of your live Zoom. Um, call or meeting. So basically guests would create a soundtrack of their life and include three to five songs that really shape their life thus far. And then you would just have them explain why. And maybe they could even at the particular Zoom, like play a few bars if people aren't familiar, or you could even send out songs beforehand so people can listen before the meeting. This is really cool because maybe Amy has Beyonce's love on top as a fundamental part of her, like, her life existence. And Zariah has the same song. And they can have a conversation about like why that was both on the soundtracks of their life. And that could be like an interesting talking point, but also a relationship starter. Um, and so I would say the second thing is to appoint people to share about their knowledge. So everyone is an expert at something. So ask someone to present for five minutes on something that they enjoy and that other people could possibly want to learn about. So that could be knitting, basketball, wine. Invite guests to ask questions and then share their own thoughts on the matter if they have any experience on this particular topic. I really think that this particular, um, tip is really cool if you have a group of friends that know each other and the person who is presenting on a specific topic or hobby or interest the other people in the group even though they've been friends for a long time didn't know that this person had this interest so it's sort of be being revealed to them i think that's really cool and then the third thing is to plan to talk about a tv show that everyone's watching it's up to the host to get the party going with some specific party questions. And you can either draw those from a hat, like have people send you the questions beforehand. Um, you can make up the questions for yourself. Um, but then once you present those questions to the group, everybody has to comment on it. So one thing you can do is talk about one show that's really trending right now is Love is Blind. And some questions you could have are thoughts on Jessica saying Barnett was attractive in front of Mark, who, you know, like was her fiancé. Like, what would you have done? Would that have been okay with you? Or thoughts on Amber having $20,000 worth of debt 
which I'm not judging anybody for having that amount of debt, like school loans are a thing. She had that amount of debt and didn't seem to have any urgency around being responsible for paying it off. And the third and final tip is to make an agenda. So I think in my experience, one of the biggest mistakes people make in most gatherings is, as I was saying before, is not having structure. And as I was saying, this goes for in-person or virtual events. The most natural semen situations, the things in life that seem the most effortless are painstakingly planned. You don't just say, for example, in live TV, you don't just go uh, camera action and then expect things to fall into place and for magic to happen, right? There's lots of planning and practicing and process that goes into making sure that even if mistakes happen, you know what's next on the agenda. And so you can skip right to that instead of standing up in the middle of the proverbial stage and being like, huh, what? I don't know what happened. Like, what's going on? So the last two that I shared obviously have some elements of structure to them. So the very last thing I want to add is make an agenda. An agenda doesn't have to be serious. It can actually be fun and it keeps people calm and gives them something to look forward to. Um, whether they see that on the calendar invite or if you present it to them or just say it out loud at the start of the call. So some fun agenda items can be surprise at the end, risky conversation, joke telling, like letting people know that you'll be pulling random questions from a hat. I even once saw an agenda that had something like 9 to 9.30, appropriate conversation, 9.30 to 10, wine, and then 10 to 10.30, inappropriate conversation. So like in that situation, it's like fun, it's good natured. You can swap wine for vodka if you have one of those days. doesn't really matter. It's all about being creative and having a little bit of fun and being lighthearted if you're feeling called to that at that particular point in time. Alright guys, that's it for me. I really hope that you enjoyed um, these three tips and my thoughts on how structure helps to create and improve the connection and the community that you feel with people, whether it's virtually, online, or in real life once this period of life is over. If you enjoyed this episode in particular or enjoyed the podcast on a whole, please feel free to leave a five-star rating and or a glowing review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I will see you guys next week and I hope you have a great day. All right. Bye for now.